0: Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today we are dropping a special bonus episode because it is the end of Game of Thrones. So now that we've gotten to the end, we've pulled together our little all-star panel of uh, experts we have around the office, Uh, Matt Aguilar didn't really ever watch the show, so he's taking a little co-hosting break from this one. We sent him
1: to the wall. He was watching Money in the Bank, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah, he was watching WWE,
0: so he'll have a full report on that. But for this bonus episode... We've brought our own Chris Killian.
1: What's up, guys? In for
0: this first time on the podcast, because uh, yeah, you're a pretty serious Game of Thrones guy. You've been filming all yeah, our videos. I've been doing all
1: the recaps. Yeah, all you've been on, You've been like. like
0: one of the unsullied in front of the wall, like trying to fight off the hordes <laughs> this whole season eight. And of course, our Game of Thrones also Star Trek expert Jamie Lovett's back because we are going to take some time and uh, break this whole thing down. Also over here in the cut is uh, producer Jim Viscardi. He's on his mic representing for the people who just uh, jumped on this Season 8 bandwagon right. for uh, Game of Thrones viewers. Finally gave we like, to, we like pressure. to have all perspectives, you know? We like to have all perspectives. So, like I said, we're just going to be talking about the uh, finale of Game of Thrones. We're going to do a whole little kind of framing of Season 8 and probably what it means for the show. This is going to be full spoilers, so if you haven't seen the episode, I don't know why you clicked on this. <laughs> But uh, this is your obligatory warning. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about this. All right, so Game of Thrones finale. Uh, it is, as the Reddit leaks have said, it would be. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. I avoided those, I'm happy
1: to say. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, I did too. I didn't, I didn't watch them. After last
0: week, I just broke down. I was like, I, I wanted. I just read them. And I'll preface this by saying, and I think it's important probably to note, like, I hate finales to shows, and I mm. most often don't watch them. Like, I just watched the Office finale for the first time this year. I've never seen the Parks and Rec finale. i got some
2: news for you about uh, Battlestar Galactica.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I watched that because I was just lost. Like, I stopped watching them after about Battlestar and after Lost because I was just tired of the disappointment. And like I hate endings. I guess it's something psychological. So I just don't watch them. I think Breaking Bad's like the only one.
1: My mom does that too. She's like, if I don't watch the finale, it's ne- it never really yeah, it ends, never really ends. So... The
0: characters are still alive in your head, like all that stuff. So and I always think that like finales can be like I think they well, lose steam. Finales final are really hard. Yeah, is always the exciting one. And then the finale's always, like, clean up, and if it's a series finale, then just, like, let's tie off everything with a bow. And this was pretty much that. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, we went from huge battle to, like, let's talk politics, and that's, like, essentially what this finale episode was. Um, Of course, there was a big betrayal in the middle of it, because this is Game of Thrones- and Danny was killed by Jon, and, but then there was a whole bunch of talking and people yeah. who decided who the next king should be and how Westeros should be reformed.
1: You know, a few and, episodes yeah. ago, um, uh, one of the big things was that Bran and Tyrion had a conversation, and it yeah. cut before you saw what they actually talked about. And now, knowing what we know, you'll never be able to convince me that those guys weren't plotting to take over the Iron Throne yeah, right the there. Yeah, the
0: whole, like, Bran is evil, was really evil camp is really surging today right this like this dude just quietly kind of steered him well the, the, the iron he had room, no interest
1: but then all of no a sudden he was like anymore, but this is why we're here this is why i've called. Yeah, but
3: isn't that more of a potential just cursed with knowledge type thing like even it wasn't he...
1: necessarily cursed with the 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 ability to know the future right so i don't know
2: his uh, his Greenseer stuff is very vague. Yeah. All yeah. that Three-Eyed Raven stuff. But it's important to note he didn't have that stuff until like three-quarters of the way through the season. So it's not like he climbed up the wall to that window to purposely be pushed off so no. that he could eventually be king. Right. So,
0: like, yeah. <laughs> no, he. I mean, he just kind of saw it in his, I mean, that's also what arguably makes him a great ruler yeah. is that he can see the past, the future, and like – has this literal, literal just huge vision of what mm-hmm. the you know Westeros could be. So who knows? But yeah, how he got there is, uh, I don't know, I feel like him and the Avengers bumped into each other in the quantum realm and <laughs> yeah. were just like, you going to be here? You playing God? I'm playing God. Ah!
1: I also thought it was <laughs> really interesting, though, how Tyrion, you know, he's kind of been, he's had this like, Track record of making bad decisions lately, and then he throws out, "Oh well, why, how about Bran is king?" And everybody's like, oh, yeah, "That's that's a good idea."
0: Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> I, like, let's just go through like how we feel about the episode as a whole. Because I'll say, like, as somebody who doesn't watch finales, I mean, it was kind of boring and mundane. I mean, I had read it and I knew kind of what the surprises would be. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Bran would end up on the throne necessarily, but I knew that somebody was going to probably take out Daenerys. I knew she wasn't going to live. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it would probably have to be John because that
1: would be... It had one. to be John. Yeah, because yeah. they, they
2: had was. to find something for John to yeah, do. Yeah, it's the only
0: one that doesn't need another episode. If Arya jumped out of the shadows and beheaded Daenerys, like, we need another episode to clean that up. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah we got to unpack that. So I knew that kind of that stuff, but I was perfectly just like okay with it. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, this, this story sucks for Daenerys, and I can understand a thousand... People who were, like, really behind this strong female character Mm -hmm. and on the symbol of what she had become, which isn't necessarily what the story made her. There's a lot of projection, I think, with Game of Thrones happening, but, like, I thought that sucked for her. But, like, you know, for the rest of it, I, I was just like, eh. Yeah. Okay, it's an ending. Like, it's what you mean... People fall into new roles but are kind of familiar, and then things kind of move forward. Nothing really gets too much better because the scene where they're all still arguing at the end and Braun is still the asshole kind of like (laughs) messing up things when they should just be making easy policy and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of the most... almost like vanilla ending with like a kind of cheap dramatic twist that
2: you have. At this point, it all like it all made sense where it ended up, especially considering, you know, where the last episode left off and everything, but none of it had much impact at this point. It was yeah. all, you know, once Daenerys is gone, everything else is natural. And there's some like interesting ideas in there. Like the idea of John going back to the night's watch, especially since that's, you know, Edward Stark was supposed to go to the night's watch at the beginning of the episode. And then he got beheaded or beginning of the season, rather series, whatever, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, you know, there's some interesting, like, mirrors there, and there seems to be a big theme of, like, everything's cyclical. We're essentially back where we started, and these stories are going to be told again, and all this stuff. Uh, and that's all kind of interesting, but it there's, like I said, there's no impact anymore. All the impact was in the previous mm-hmm. episode where we burned down a city, and this is just like, yeah, okay, you made your point. Yeah. Let's move on.
0: I think the biggest problem I have with this season still is always going to be the Daenerys storyline, I'm a hashtag Daenerys did nothing wrong type person. Like,
1: I found that interesting was that, you know, for having this big turn, once you actually had that moment where when Jon confronts her and she gives her side of things, she didn't feel like a villain anymore. No, I mean, I,
0: and that was exactly, that was very validating because I literally wrote like 1,300 words basically breaking down, like this is what is going on in Daenerys' head. And she yeah. says it almost word for word. It's like, yeah. I was playing against this lady who took human hostages mm-hmm. and knew that if I surrendered, she was going to screw me somehow. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to be screwed. I, like, I, I'm going to do this one thing for the larger good purpose. And they had a chance to kind of get out there. I mean, I think it's interesting because we're we dancing around just like what kind of kind of almost dark political implication yeah. this whole has. Mm-hmm. I, but did that whole
3: conversation like, not come off as Danny trying to manipulate John once more?
0: No, I think I think she
3: is a she was a true believer.
0: Yeah, that's what they say in the episode. I think it's what they say in the episode. What Tyrion says to him right before that is she believes this stuff because you know she was and and he kind of makes us the audience complicit. Because he says we've been cheering her on when she's been burning people mm-hmm. alive this whole time, <laughs> just because it was easy to do so, because we could say, "Oh, those were bad people." Like yeah. she burned. It's, it's very like, now she just burns some people she thinks are mm-hmm. bad or just not like on the mission for the greater good, and like you know what happens when she feels like that again, and like that's the whole kind of motivation, which I still think is a kind of weak motivation on yeah. John's part, because in my view, like. No matter what you say, like, I didn't think Daenerys was crazy or just a clear-cut villain. They just straight-up murdered
1: her. That's kind of how I like, felt about it, because after hearing her side of things, I, I, was, I was like, I feel like a couple of conversations could have taken place, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe to reach some understanding rather than just, like, knife her in the chest. Yeah. That I just mean, felt to be fair, cool. before
2: the Battle of King's Landing, she... She, you know, they were like, "Hey, if they ring the bells, let's not burn the city down." And she was like, "Yeah, whatever." And then she just burned the cities down (laughs) anyway. I think they were kind of done giving her the benefit of the doubt after that. Well, then, especially I can
3: see their point, especially with that whole speech that she, you know, that she gave at the the top of the episode where she would. Mm -hmm. And Tyrion even said it like she's got, she's not stopping. Yeah, I mean, she's she's going going to Dario Naharis. Dario Naharis, like seasons ago before
2: he left her was like you are a conqueror this is what you're gonna do she was not interested in so much i mean in her head i think she thought she was breaking the wheel but she was just building a different wheel is all it was she was not gonna Mm -hmm. free people of their yoke she was gonna put them under a different one i mean the last time i was on the podcast i compared game of thrones to watchmen i think this episode like absolutely Follows through on that. People are going to be unpacking same way they unpack Watchmen as something of the politics of the 80s. They will be unpacking this as something of the politics of our time. Yeah, it's got the same, you know, the dragon attack is basically the giant squid from Watchmen as stand in for, you know, a a nuke going off. And there's practically even the moment between, you know, in Watchmen, you have Ozymandias asking, Uh, Dr. Manhattan, if he did the right thing. And John does the exact same thing with Tyrion. Like, this feels wrong, he says. And that's almost like him saying, you know, this isn't how an epic fantasy is supposed to end, right? Somebody's supposed to be the big damn hero at the end, and that does not happen. And he's acknowledging, like, this did not go how any of us thought this was going to go.
0: Yeah, and I think, for me, I think that is kind of the one thing that holds this all together, is the idea of how these stories, and they kind of lightly emphasized it at the end. I mean, I wish it was a little bit more pronounced, but that how these stories and legends are written doesn't mean, like, jack crap compared to the reality of, like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how this all got figured out. And I think that's an interesting point to be made, both about kind of just how history is written and general, but also in setting up this idea of this prequel series, which I'm now more and more excited Mm -hmm. about. Because I hope, like I keep saying, it's set, like near the age of, at the end of the age of heroes when like the long night is about mm-hmm. to start, which is kind of like when we get like brand arguably we don't know for sure, but like Brand the, Bran the Builder mm-hmm. and then like, not first when the Night King first comes into, you know, play and then has to retreat and all that. and But all this darkness that falls and I, I hope we get in there and we learn that just like everything that framed Game of Thrones that we thought we knew was just like totally wrong.
2: That would be perfect. Yeah. Not yeah. even if it's necessarily wrong, just that like, what deconstructions like game of thrones do is they put all that stuff that gets like cut out of the fantastical versions. They put that front and center, like Lord of the Rings. They have like, you know, the battle at Helm's deep and stuff, but as epic as that is both in the books and in the movies, it's relatively bloodless. What we got at King's landing is something more akin to what, like a quote unquote realistic version of a dragging, burning a city would be like, and that's what they do. And I think that's part of the kind of, uh, almost the meta narrative of it is like the people in Westeros have their own legends about brand, the building builder and Aegon and all this stuff. And they are just as uh heroic sounding to the people in that world, but the reality is probably much more like what they all just lived through with the War of the Five Kings. Yeah. And so I, yeah, you're right. It would be perfect for the prequel to really like, show I, to
0: learn, I love to learn that like Bran the Builder actually was just like slaughtered people and just like <laughs> did it. it. was basically like Ramsay's bolt. <laughs> Ramsay's bolt like <laughs> We plate. find... We're not going to like how they figured out how to build the wall. We find out he feeds going to people have to.
1: pigs or something. Just yeah, something and weird. just like
0: frozen <laughs> corpses built the wall or like the buttresses of the wall. Like, yeah, I don't know. But that, I mean, yeah, that would be kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, all in all, there are some things that I'm just kind of like, I'm also just, I mean, I'm on the camp of people who think some things didn't get closed up. Like Sure. I mean, Arya's prophecy, Cersei's prophecy. A lot of these prophecies, well, like, kind of got. Well, there's always been the question of whether though. prophecy is worth anything. Exactly.
1: Well, also, you got to say that with Arya, at least with the Arya prophecy, I can let that go because she's not done yet. So that's not to say that later on in her life she doesn't go kill some green eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. She's still got some time left. It, it, but it does bother me. Like the Cersei prophecy is something that that kind of annoyed me because her life's over. So you know, who's the brother that killed her sort of thing, even though that's in the books, right, not the show.
0: Yeah, that's a huge yeah. part of the books. And yeah. That was, like, a huge theory we had kind of going into this. And, like, it's something that I just feel like wasn't tied up, and I think there was a little bit of Lannister character kind of not tied up. But that's something we'll talk about. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue breaking down the Game of Thrones finale and the larger arc of Season 8, so stay tuned for that. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, so did you guys know that Lannisters stay pretty even when crushed by an entire building? <laughs>
1: no, I, they didn't look like they'd soiled themselves at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think if there's one thing I'm disappointed out, like, just getting away from the finale episode and just looking at the larger sense of season eight, I think the Lannister kind of story ending was kind of weak for me, especially mm-hmm. for like Cersei and Jamie. I think Cersei actually had a good climactic thing, but I think it was like a Martha moment in mm-hmm. Batman Superman. Like, I think in The Bells, I wrote like extensively about this, how... The real war that nobody seemed to get in the bells was like when the bells are ringing, everybody's like, oh, Danny's going crazy. And it's like, no. Danny, if you watch the scene again, it's an intercut scene between her and Cersei kind of looking at each other, waiting to see like what the other person or Danny's trying to make a decision and Cersei's waiting to see what she's going to do. And that's it for Cersei is at, when she starts burning, she's like, you know, F, you know, F it, I lost. Like, I've really lost this time because she was thinking Danny might back down. Called her bluff. Mercy and called her bluff. Yeah. And Danny's just like, I'm not bluffing, and, like, here's my proof. So, And I get why that works for Cersei, because this time it's literally, like, it's kind of a nice callback to when she blew up uh, the Sept of Baylor mm-hmm. with all that fire and burned all those people, and now, like, that fire's coming for her and right. all that stuff. But, like, yeah, it just felt uh, like it just didn't hit with the impact Yeah. Of her. That moment didn't hit, and then, like, her and Jamie just in the...
1: I will say... Like,
0: I don't know if there's enough... I don't know what the game is you could spit to a girl to be like, no, 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 chill, just (laughs) wait. You see all that stuff falling, it's all good. Like, I don't think that game exists, but anyway. But I thought that was just kind of, like, overly dramatic and kind of weak.
1: Mm. Well, I definitely hated Jamie's character arc initially. Like, it really bothered me, the whole, like, him growing so much as a character just to run back to Cersei yeah. at the end but I will say that now seeing everything in its totality that so much of the series seems to be predicated on the idea that history repeats itself you know so we see we see John going back to the Night Watch and we see Sansa kind of taking the Ned Stark thing you know in the north and north gaining their independence again and and uh Jaime going back to Cersei and everything so I, I I'm a little more okay with it than I was last week when I initially saw it. Yeah. But Cersei, it's.
0: I mean, she actually becomes kind of part Ned Stark, but also kind of part Cersei. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. and to like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like the, the amalgamation of all the people who had influences on her, like her mom, Littlefinger, Cersei. Right.
1: Mostly but, from yeah. Cersei. I just think she took the really cool other outfits.
0: <laughs>
1: there's just yeah. one very popular
2: tailor
0: in, <laughs> yeah. in king's landing and that's it
1: but they're really good mm-hmm. <laughs> very talented with their little spikes who
0: do you think will win the war of hotness between uh gendry and robin aaron oh, when the, uh...
1: oh man i gotta say uh, it took me a second to recognize robin right i was like that... not
0: me i i i remember he switched like over to giants milk, right milk drinker whenever <laughs> <laughs> i see them like Tormund, him <laughs> like that would be a great scene for I
2: would that. love you to see Can you imagine Dorman how much Robin, Robin and Tormund would have to talk about?
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be so great. Oh, uh, <sighs> yeah. Like, but you didn't grow any bigger. <laughs> you know, like. What about
2: Edmure Tully making his – that was Edmer, right? Yeah, that was Edmure yeah.
0: Tully. Like, it took me a minute. I was like – because that guy plays – I mean, he's been an actor in so many. Like, he's such a prolific character actor. I was like, "Oh, it's the it's the big werewolf dude from uh, Underworld." That's <laughs> yeah. Like the last thing I saw him, and I was like, "Oh wait, no, that's Edmure Tully." Yeah, and people were loving that whole thing where Santa was just like, "Sit down, trying mm-hmm. try to mansplain Westeros to us."
1: Yeah, like yeah. I think I, I think I was mentioning it too beforehand. One of the issues that I did have with Bran being picked to be king was Tyrion was just like, "It's all about story." And who's got a better story than Bran? And he says that right in front of Arya and Sansa and and Samuel. I mean, Samuel killed a White Walker and cured grayscale, so no big deal. But Yeah, you know, I knew I, I like, knew
0: what? I thought that too for a moment, but I knew what he meant. It wasn't like an actual genuine story. It was like what's a story, a PR story we can sell yeah. to people, and it's like, yeah, people love stuff like that. Cripple mm-hmm. Boy, and that's, becomes King.
2: That's one of the interesting things like a series finale for a TV show does is it recontextualize the whole series about what it's about. So now Game of Thrones went from being this thing about the Lannisters and the Targaryens and now it's essentially the story of how Bran becomes king, which is weird since he's gone for an entire season. But still, that that's now kind of what it's about looking back.
0: Yeah. And they just got to work on their titles because if that's the end of your story and it's like you call it a song of ice and fire, like... <laughs> Obviously, you you can't let go of the John Danny mm-hmm. storyline too, because yeah. that's clearly what that's about.
1: Right? Yeah, I I still feel like Brand's uh, ascension is is kind of an afterthought, you know, of the mm. whole thing. So it's well, still it about makes i feel better.
0: He's not cool enough to actually get an Iron Throne.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just, I w- he I wish they would build own. that into his wheelchair. Yeah, I think <laughs> that would be great. Swords. Just wheeling him around with a bunch of swords on there.
0: Oh man, I mean. So who had the biggest come up? I mean, for me, it was probably Podrick Payne and Braun were probably the two who had the best, who were like the best served by this series. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think out of all this, Podrick leaves with the best legend. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a squire who becomes a knight. Well, consider from where we started that uh, hookers pay him for sex.
1: I think Samwell came pretty far. I mean, he was originally just going to be a virgin in the Night Watch, and (laughs) so probably die early. Yeah, so he's doing way better now. Yeah. Who would have thought that guy was going to last to the end?
0: Graham might. But that's, like, one of the best speeches of, like, uh the Long Night episode where somebody's, like, kind of throwing shade at him. Like, mm-hmm. dude, you know, you shouldn't be out here. You should go to the crib. <laughs> and he's just like, hold up. He's like, <laughs> you don't want to hear all everything. I survived. Boom. I ran down this. I ran down that. And the other. But, like, yeah, who knew Samwell was going was gonna to last, man? Poor varies, Ah, uh, yeah. Like wow, like there are just a lot of people who died this season. That if there was like just twenty four hours, mm-hmm. or just even a minute, or five minutes, like you would have been a okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Sir Jora. Like uh, Theon. Man, Arya, if you had just jumped out of the shadows like two minutes earlier, we might have all been okay. Um, oh man, I just lost my train of thought about who I was thinking of from this episode. Oh man, move on. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, that's
1: okay. It just, happens to me all the time.
2: I just want to say we were talking about this earlier. Do you think this season would have ended up better if they had just let John kill the Night King and had like Arya pop up and kill Cersei instead of John? Because one of my big problems with you the mean season Dany? is Danny. Danny, sorry, yeah. Danny. Uh was just that like they foreshadowed so much stuff for John and then he didn't really do anything. Like the whole deal with him being a Targaryen amounted to nothing of relevance really other than just making him feel vaguely paranoid enough to kill Danny at the end. And I, I get that they were trying to do what's unexpected, but at some point, yeah. you know, when you foreshadow that hard, it's not doing what's unexpected. It's not following through.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, but at the same time, I was trying to like remind myself cause it has been so long since I've encountered like the books mm-hmm. that like there are 14 million like fake outs for one (laughs) reality in all of these books. Mm. Like there's like fake Targaryens left and right in the books, like that just get burned alive. And it's like, yeah, all of this red herring, like you think this stuff is important. And I think that's what people have forgotten because it became the TV show as opposed Mm. to the adaptation of these books is that like, yeah, in a song of ice and fire, you spend so much time on things you think are important in literally to just disappear like that i mean the rob stark stuff in like a storm of swords is a huge part of that book and Mm. you're like all into this and who is he going to marry in that big decision and like he makes a choice and you're like oh man this is going to get so politically complicated not really because everybody gets their throats cut at this wedding Mm. and you're like to be
2: fair that was the result of his choice on who to marry yeah yeah exactly
0: But but it's just like the book pumps so much attention into like characters And stuff. And like, I was just trying to remember like all the characters who are still floating around like in the books. Like, there's the Quentin guy, there's like, uh,
2: Quentin's the one that got burned alive. Oh, that's
0: but, right. right. There's yeah, a he was young the Griff. Big Targaryen you spent a mm-hmm. whole book with that didn't amount to anything because when he went to go see a dragon, he just was like.
2: No, no, no. Qu- Quentin's the Prince of Dorne. You're okay. thinking of young Griff.
0: Yeah, Griff. Who's
2: like supposedly the real Aegon in disguise, but might actually just be some kid from Essos that they made up and made think is a fake Targaryen because Barris yes, exactly, is crazy and evil. Like Lady yeah.
0: Stoneheart still running around. Like there's yeah. a bunch of stuff going on in the books that are just. Like we now know, but even are going nowhere, like, and so, I wasn't like too surprised about that being in the show, because, like, yeah, like you said, all this stuff about the Prince who was promised and all these prophecies and stuff. I mean, it just turns out to be BS. But
1: on the subject of the Red Wedding, though, and talking about how you think it's going to be such a big deal with Rob choosing his his bride and all of these things, I mean, I think that's why the Red Wedding was so effective was because you spent so much time thinking that Rob Stark's going to be this big, great leader, and then it gets the rug just completely pulled out from underneath him. And so I I think that that same thing could have worked here, but I think a big issue with this last season... Particularly, is the plotting, and that we didn't have enough time to really let those episodes breathe and to get, you know, to give them more emphasis. So that whole turn, you know, was more important than it, it ended up feeling. Yeah.
0: I mean, if it were up to me, I think I said to my wife after seeing the finale episode last night, it was, I would have just made season eight being about all dealing with the Night King, mm-hmm. and like doing that and having Absolutely. that be like a finale, even if you shortened it to just like, Four or five episodes just dealing with all of that mm-hmm. and like all of the deeper things that are running through the characters going into that, all these beefs that are starting to build, all these kind of things with Danny that are starting to build. Then have that just be like the penultimate episode of the season. Then do one more that basically shows you all the big betrayals that are coming with the battle with Cersei. And then just have getting to King's Landing, launching this siege. And dealing with the aftermath of it be the entire final season. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would have made a lot more sense. Heck, you,
2: you could have had a whole season of Danny ruling Westeros, <laughs>
0: dealing exactly. with that. Just like I said, I would have stretched it out. I would have had like the ending of season eight just be okay, we surprised beat the Night King. Now we still got to deal with each other and do that. And then like mm-hmm. the first part of the last season just being. Them just traveling and organizing and getting down to King's Landing, and how things are starting to come apart along the way as they're all kind of is that of just like we're outside the wall.
3: But do you think that's a mix of either them not necessarily having the books or not necessarily wanting to expand in a direction that took them in a different path? I think so it's just much they didn't
0: the want books. to invest any more time in oh, it. Yeah, like I think they wanted to. Ra- I think, and I don't think it's just them. I mean, Weiss, and we're saying them, but, like, Weiss and Benoif or Benoif or whatever you pronounce his name. Benioff? Benioff. Something like that? Yeah. I think it's Guy Benoiff. who wrote 25th Hour. Um, <laughs> that's how I remember. <laughs> and Troy. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, basically, like, yeah. I think it, it's not just them. They get a lot of heat for this, but I think it, it was the cast, too. Yeah. I think there was a ton of people in the cast who were like, can we just wrap this up? I'm tired of dying my hair red or white or doing this, Shaving that, Shaving it other. all off. Yeah, and, like, let's just get done with this and, like, move on. Um, and I think when we look back, I think that's going to be the interesting thing that people have started to already do is going back, looking into getting into this season and examining exactly like how the cast was out there and kind of reacting at the same time, like kind of rolling their eyes about this whole thing and just, (laughs) yeah, like,
2: absolutely. I mean, it definitely felt like, I mean, the executives at HBO have said like, we want to keep this show going forever. They seemed willing to back up any size truck of money to keep these people on board and keep this thing going. So it, it does feel like it ultimately comes to, to Wise and Benioff, which it, it's. I get it; they want to move on. They got Star Wars money to make and stuff. But
1: uh, I, don't I don't know. know. That, at this point, though, I don't know that Star Wars money is that much bigger than Game of Thrones money. I mean, they were making some serious changes, especially if HBO was willing to just. Essentially, write a blank check. Well, it's for a them.
0: merchandising machine.
1: Like, I think yeah. it's probably a mixture. I think that a big part of it is probably that they were now working from an outline rather than having the actual source material, which has got to be. I, I can't even imagine how daunting that is yeah. to just have notes. Oh, I have. Like, <laughs> why also, I have a whole funny skit. But I mean, like, but there's
3: that. there's a number of uh, times and examples where the show has gone like Night King's perfect example, right? Gone and done its done its own thing. Why? Like what? Would have, and this is me coming in as new fan, not necessarily you know mm. realizing it all, but like, why wouldn't they just like continue to do that? Like, would it have been, would it have been that bad, that or that I, wrong? We don't, or? I mean,
0: we basically they probably did. Like, I'm I make a joke, like I want to write a skit about them trying to go to George R. R. Martin, being like, George, can you just tell us how this last season ends? And he's like, <laughs> Here's sixty pages about the feasts that are served before and after the Battle of Winterfell, and they're like, Uh, dude. Just please, like, tell us, like, why does she burn King's Landing? And he's like, Here's an appendix about all the streets of King's Landing that are fired, and sixty characters will see who die. Like, and you're like, yeah. Okay, man, like whatever, like just give us the bullet points. And it's just like I, I don't know, like I think they just loosely went with the loose yeah. ending. I think the books are gonna I mean the and, books have to be something. And who knows? There's so much there as we discussed, there is so much on the table. Like the fact that there's already going to be another Targaryen, and it's mm-hmm. not just this big reveal about Jon, is an entire major thread in the books, and like, how's this dude going to factor in, and like, what what's yeah. that going to do to the politics of like getting to Westeros and Danny's claim, and how that affects her, like.
2: Yeah, and All the books, he's different. already on Westeros, too. Yeah. Like, he landed. So there's, like... And that I think that's part of the tension that was missing in the last season was it came down to, essentially, first them versus the Night King and then them versus Cersei. It was just, like, pick a team and root for them. All the intrigue was gone because you need at least three factions to really have intrigue and alliances. Otherwise, you're just, you know, clashing swords. And so I think... Yeah, it'll be. I hope Martin eventually finishes the books because I'd really like to see how this plays out with essentially three potential Targaryen heirs to the throne. Yeah, three dragons, just,
0: three Targaryens. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what happens with that. So, um, gonna, and no Night King. <laughs> no yeah. Night King. No gonna,
3: Borg queen. That's essentially what it
0: was. Yeah,
3: I'm gonna pull pull a pin on a grenade and just lob this one oh right gosh. right out there to you. Um,
0: well, just seconds left.
3: This closed this closed. F- this season of Game of Thrones, as someone who's just coming into it, felt exciting for me. Like, it's just like it, the idea of event and appointment television and, and all of that, um, was a lot of fun. And I am concerned that that doesn't necessarily exist anymore. And I, I, we mentioned it in the office earlier, like has the binge model almost ruined event television in the sense that like, the the sort of weekly ongoing, like if Game of Thrones came out, season one started even last year and it was the binge model, would it have become the beast that it is today?
0: It may be. I think what I've been thinking about is it's becoming a pretty stunning pattern right now that I don't think it's so much the binge model, that's thing. I think it's fandom Mm -hmm. and what that means. I think the chat threads, which is, You know, not to knock against our own interests, but like the the continuous chat and discussions and theory threads and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, I think that's the becoming the problem because if you just notice the similarities, just like Marvel movies, DC movies, Star Wars movies, Game of Thrones, anything that's big and has this huge fandom where people are just spending a lot of time discussing theories. Whenever we get like the thing itself people are having more and more trouble, like, letting go of their own projected notions of what this thing should be and actually dealing with the thing that they get. Yeah. So, like, and you can see, like, all these petitions, right? Oh, God. -hmm. Like, Last Jedi, somebody's still petitioning. And even the Snyder Cut, while I do side with the Snyder Cut thing, I do also recognize it is in the same vein of, of all these other ones. It's, wah, I didn't get the thing I wanted. I can I still think there's a way to like alternate universe my way into getting what I wanted. Give me give me gimme like give me the Snyder cut. Give me the new last Jedi remake I want. Give me the season 8 of Game of Thrones remake I want. And right now somehow we are entertaining these as not completely crazy vapid notions and we're getting a million people to sign on to them. And I think that's the problem. Like mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, like these are somebody's stories we're in if you're in for the ride you're kind of in for the ride like they may mess up the landing and it's going to be debated for the rest of god knows how much time did game of thrones drop one of the biggest balls in tv or will we all feel differently when we get to step back and rewatch the whole series again without all our expectations will we get to season 8 and be like oh, you know uh, you know it wasn't you know revolutionary but it was good it was fine I'm good with it. Like where we all feel a little bit different mm-hmm. like when we get a chance to go back and we'll rewatch it all through, especially I think, season six, seven, and eight.
1: Yeah, I, I read a, an interview with the actor who plays Bran, Isaac, uh, I can't Hempstead? Yeah, yeah. But he, he said something that I think summed it up pretty well for me, where he's like, it's great if you love it, but it, the show doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to all those people who signed, you know, those petitions, and that's very true. Yeah. Like you said, it's very vapid to think that, like, oh, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, so I'm going to sign this petition for people to remake it in the way that I want it to. You still won't be happy at yeah. that point. It's still not going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. Exactly. So, and I think I mean, what like, you this doing? is like
0: the one yeah. key thing we had to accept, not to make myself old, but like in the <laughs> past before kind of digital media mm. and sh- and social media and stuff is like, if you were just a person complaining that it didn't go, and you had this better move in your head, it's usually like you and your front lot of your neighborhood right. with like your two friends, so like, <laughs> right? Yeah,
3: you only had you and the pe- your family and the people in the office to complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And now like, Reddit, Reddit, out of all like... those
0: people, there was more likely to be somebody to be like, man, you know, challenge your opinion. Like mm. these, and that was the fun. Like you had friends that you debated. I remember sitting out in my high school, being a senior, not caring about school, but episode one came out, and we were all just sitting out there debating, like. Was pod racing cool? Like, all this, and for everything I said, there was a friend, and a friend, I mean, who had a theory to challenge mine, and we could do that for hours. I
3: feel like even that, like, even internet discourse, even just five years ago, was completely different than what it is now. Mm -hmm. Well, now there's so many big franchises, like, Reddit doesn't exist just for discussion. right? You know, websites like
2: that, they practically pre-write a script Mm -hmm. of what they think needs to happen in order for the thing to be good. And if it doesn't go by that prescribed script... Then yeah, it's and bad. I think
0: that's the key here is like mm-hmm. the entitlement people are literally because they think they spend so much time like working out these theories and doing research like yeah that that's fine to do as long as you understand that it's just for fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you are just mm-hmm. engaging your imagination that's it like like guys like Bran Stark said and why he's a wise king it doesn't belong to you this is somebody else's creation their story that they're pumping a lot of work in mm-hmm. and this whole I mean the whole let's just remake it thing is just crazy in and of itself and speaks to the ignorance of what a production like this takes. Well,
1: you have to understand. And how hard
0: it is to get it even remotely right to yeah. do something like that. Like, yeah.
1: You just have to understand the, also the kind of people that this is coming from. Like, I've watched so many videos on YouTube that I hated or was bored by, I've never stopped to make a negative comment. You know, I'm not that kind of person that would just stop what I'm doing and just let people know how much I hate this. And I think there's a lot of that mentality in those petitions that's like, I need my voice to be heard. I need people to know how unhappy I am with this. And I'm like, well, just don't watch it anymore. If you don't like it, go watch something else. Or just go w- to a chat thread
0: and with other people, find a Reddit thread of I Game of Thrones Season 8 sucked and just... Go nuts, but just don't think somebody's gonna remake it for yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Like just just let's also understand where the border is. If yeah. Game of Thrones sucks and we get to or if Game of Thrones is great until the ending and it sucks, that's just what it is. It's a TV show that was great, had a crappy ending, and that's how we all just gotta refer to it and deal with it. We can't go back in time and magically like Make it the fully complete experience you want. I mean, I don't even understand what the end game of that would be.
1: Yeah, well, you could just go back and pull a Kofi and just watch the whole series except for the finale again.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) yeah, you'll feel a lot better, or not even, or maybe just watch up until. Arya Stark drops that dagger and cuts the Night's King, and then just be like, "That was." It. And then it all ended well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, <yeah.
2: laughs> it's even beyond this. I mean, this is it's getting slightly off topic, but look at the response to the the supposedly Robert Pattinson getting cut as Batman. Nobody has seen him do yeah. anything I mean, that's, as Batman. Right. And there I wasn't trying to, to go down this hole I mean, because we got to
0: wrap up this bonus episode. But like, thing. that's just another thing. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're going. Mm. Like, things are just announced. We don't see anything. Yeah.
1: And we're already into a petition to change. Uh, we've it's, we've always been that way, though. I mean, I remember, I'm old enough, I don't want to date myself, but I remember when people were all fired up about Michael Keaton. They yes, were like, Mr. Uh-huh. Mom can't be Batman.
0: But uh-huh. we were fired up about it, and that's
1: okay. I'm not telling people not to have,
0: there's one thing marriage has taught me, I'm not telling people not to have <laughs> emotions. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> you have to process that, those emotions and in a reasonably sane way. Yeah. You can't go outside and try to kidnap Michael Keaton and hold him in a basement until <laughs> Batman begins production oh, man. just to keep, like, this thing from happening. That's
1: a that's a movie script that we all need to sit down and yeah, write. Yeah, exactly. A famous oh, celebrity gets cast as a superhero, and so a fan kidnaps him exactly. to keep it from happening.
0: And that's like, but I feel like this isn't even, we're going off the movie page and soon <laughs> to be real life. Like, somebody get extra security around Robert Pattinson because, like, this is what it is. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So that's where we'll end, like. Please, go on. Okay, let's just wrap this up. That'll wrap it <laughs> up for our Game of Thrones discussion. If you have feelings about the finale, we'd love to discuss them with you and hear what you think because we're going to be writing all kinds of reaction pieces and what you think actually does matter to what we do. So come on the hashtag Comic Book Nation and let us know what you think. Open it in the floodgates. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you like this episode and you want to subscribe and listen regularly, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday or on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to an RSS feed there or subscribe on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Playlists, Google Podcast, or you can say to any Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will do so for you. You can also find me at Kofi Outlaw. At Chris Killian.
3: At Jamie Lovett. At Jim Viscardi.
0: And if you have any positive reviews for the show to leave, we read them. And if we read them on air, we send you some comic book swag. So be sure to do that. All right. End of an era. That was it. Game of Thrones. The story of uh, inappropriate sexual relations and harsh violence (laughs) that ends with a dud somehow. All right. Comic Book Nation, we're out.